Sometimes when, I, when you're, you're um, listening to a message, it's nice to just listen. And there's sometimes that you find a message that it's, it's great to take notes because it's something you can go back to. And so I would encourage you, this is one of those. This is one of those messages that if you take notes on it, you will be able to go back when you're praying, when you are studying, when you're walking this out on your, in your daily life. So I really encourage you, this is a note-taking one. So we're focusing mainly on some of the ones that are that have Jehovah and then another name behind it. And that's what we're going to focus on this morning is just, a, we're not going to do all of them. <laughs> don't, don't worry. Uh, we'd be here for a very long time to try not to go through 27, all of them. Not all 27, we promise. Yeah, we, um, we, 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 we just kind of picked the four that really kind of ministered to us. Uh, so I actually encourage you to go and do your own research this week. Um, listen, you know, say what you want to say about the internet, but honestly, you can Google the names of God and there are reputable um, um, web pages that you can go that'll actually give you some really good details on all the different names of God. So in your time this week, if you want to do that, there's also some great things, but we're just going to kind of give you the four that really minister to us. Uh, starting off with actually Jehovah. What does Jehovah, what does Jehovah mean? So Jehovah, you see this in each one of the ones we go through today, Jehovah, and then our description, and it's God, it's, it's Abba, it's, the, it's Father, it's Lord, um, that means Yahweh, it, it's, it's, calling, it's, it's calling on God's name, and then giving the description of what he is to us, and, and where we're, we're going is once we talk about these, these four that, that mean the most to us, that we, God really resonated in our spirit, um, then we wanna talk about why it's important. As a believer, when you leave this place, we want you to know why it's important to know God's names, know his character, and know a little bit more about the, the, how specific he is in our life. So the first one we'll talk about this morning is Jehovah Rapha. Um, and so in your notes this morning, if you wanna write Jehovah Rapha, and then you're gonna write uh, Exodus chapter 15, verse 22, and we're gonna go through uh, through verse 26. And this is the first time we see the, uh, Jehovah Rapha. The word Rapha is actually used about 60 times in the Old Testament, and it means healer. It means restore her, restore, or it means um, to put back together. Uh, so you can use uh, this word in a bunch of different, uh, a different, a couple of different translations, uh, but the one here that they're talking about is, is Jehovah Rapha, our healer. So let's read uh, Exodus chapter 15, and it says, uh, starting with verse 22, Moses... Um, brought the children of Israel out from the Red Sea. Okay, so this is the timeline. You guys remember the Red Sea was parted and Moses brought them through and running away from, uh, you know, Pharaoh. This is right after that. Okay, so just brought them through. And they went out into the wilderness of Shur and they were there for three days. They found no water. And now when they came to Marah, they couldn't drink the waters of Marah because they were bitter. And therefore the name of it was called Marah. And the people complained against Moses, okay? Seriously, I'm gonna pause for just a second and say, hey, look, just a reminder, okay? These people had just witnessed a very large body of water be split in half. They walked through on dry land and it only took them three days to start complaining about what they didn't have. Okay, I, I can do that. So we are, I'm sure some of us can do that as well too. So we're in good company, okay? If, if sometimes we have a, uh, we kind of forget what God has done, it's okay, uh, but there is an opportunity for us to remember what he's done. So as, as they're literally three days later, they're complaining because they don't have water. So here's what happens. So 
Moses called out to God and said, or they, they called out to Moses and said, what shall we drink? So he cries out to the Lord. Moses cries out to the Lord and the Lord showed him a tree. And when he cast that tree into the waters, the waters were then made sweet. There he made a statue uh, and an ordinance for them. And, and he tested them and said, if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord, your God, do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes. I will put none of the diseases on you, which I have brought on the Egyptians for I am the Lord God who heals you or Jehovah Rapha. Okay. So one thing to really just kind of plug it in there is that in God's healing, okay, there, there's, there are some, especially this one, there's like some stipulations basically with Moses was saying, if you do these things, then this is how God's going to, to, to heal you. And so one of the things that I really thought was uh, interesting as we started to read this scripture and started to realize what was happening is that we serve a God that is greater than any of the disease, any of the things that come against us, any of our infirmities. Um, and it's easy for me when I hear the word healing, I immediately think physical healing. I immediately think, Lord, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm going through something. I got a bad call from the doctor or uh, God, I'm having some issues that I cannot, you know, no matter what I try to do, I can't fix it. So, you know, God, uh, you know, heal me of that. Or sometimes it's as simple as, hey, Lord, I've got this to do, but my back is killing me. Because anyone knows that the moment you hit 30, it's like back pain all the time, right? So, and I'm way over 30, so you can imagine how the pain is. But it's one of those things where you're like, God, you're just thinking, hey, heal me. So you kind of make it physical. But I want to also tell you that too, that God doesn't just deal with the physical healings. There's emotional healings. There are um, spiritual healings, you know, being able to mend the spirit between he and you. There's a... Um, uh, physical, emotional, uh, what's the other one? Relational healings. I mean, there's all kinds of things that got, we can, can put this in there, but the idea behind it is to tell ourselves, okay, we serve a God who is a healer, and so whatever we're going through, whatever that thing that's causing that separation, whatever that thing is causing us pain, that we serve a God who heals. So that is God, or Jehovah Rapha, our healer. Go ahead. This one, um, Jehovah Shalom, God of peace, um, this one is really close to me because it, it truly, the, the peace that God gives is the antithesis or the opposite of what the world is. We look at the world and we see the anxiety, the depression, the angst, the chaos, and God is so the opposite of that, the God of our peace. And so we see, uh, we see in scripture, we're gonna talk about um, Gideon. So Judges 6, 7 through 16. Um, so laying the groundwork, um, Gideon is, um, the, you got the Israelites, they're again, kind of like what, what he was talking about before, not do, really doing what they're supposed to, um, have not found favor with God because of their disobedience. And so their enemies have begun to, um, to overtake them or um, they, were, they were just able to come in and... Um, start destroying God's people. Okay, so you've got Gideon over here that I feel like he's one of those, um, and we can all be this at times where he's kind of like, I'm just gonna be over here. You all go over and live in chaos. You can, you can fight the fight and all those. I'm gonna be over here, because right before this it says that he was um, threshing wheat. And so he's like, I'm gonna make some bread 
have me a sandwich. You can all just live in, in chaos and in, in the stress and, and then the war. And then shows up, the Lord appeared to Gideon and said, the Lord with you, mighty warrior. Now, I don't know about you, but if, I, if God says to me, if I hear an angel appear and say, I'm with you, mighty warrior, I feel like I'm gonna be like, okay, where are we going? What are we doing? What's, what's the assignment? Send me, send me, I'm here. But Gideon's like, um, but I'm, I'm, just, I'm just doing this. So um, he says, pardon me, my Lord. Uh, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? So it's again, it's one of those of, of woe is me, Gideon saying, do you see this around, Lord? I, I mean, are, are we looking at the same picture? This is why I'm over here just doing my own thing. So where are all the wonders that our ancestors told us when they said, did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. So an angel appears with a word, calls him a mighty warrior. And then he begins to say, but, 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 but this and but this and but, and how many know that's us. That's, that's us. We do that. Um, uh, But God, I mean, really, can, can you really do that? Have you? I mean, that's pretty big. Um, are you sure this is what you want me to do? So then he goes, they go on. So the Lord has abandoned us and has given us in the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, go in strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? So two things here. One, I'm really thankful that God is so gracious and so patient with us because while he's being questioned, he's saying, don't worry, I'm with you. And then the second thing there is, so let's go ahead and go on. So pardon me, my Lord. Again, he's still questioning him. God has appeared to you. He is calling you mighty warrior. He is telling you he's with you. He's being gracious and he's still, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest. Uh, have you seen my family? Um, I, all, I really do hear ourselves in our world when, I, when I'm reading uh, the scripture, because I feel like that is uh, like, we're gonna list for you, Lord, how it's not gonna work out or who we came from or what the circumstances or what's going on. And the Lord answered, I will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. And then Gideon replies, okay, so he's still not done. I, thankfully, thankfully, God called him as a mighty warrior and continued to be patient with him. If now I have found favor, if, not, not sure, I'm just gonna put an if on there. If I found favor, give me a sign that you really take, you're talking to me. Please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. Okay, so then he goes on and there's this, this offering thing where, okay, if you do this, then I know you're, you're speaking to me this. Um, so finally, finally, we go ahead, we, we move on, and Gideon actually realizes. He's like, oh wait, oh it is you. Alas, sovereign Lord. I mean, it, mighty warrior, nah. Um, I'm gonna, you're, you're gonna be with me, nah. Let me test you, okay, you're here. So again, this is truly how we are as humans. Alas, sovereign Lord, I've seen the angel of the Lord face to face, and this is where we see the peace. After he's gone through all of this, He's questioned God. He's questioned his his plan for him. God says, peace. Do not be afraid. You are not going to die. And here's what I'd I'd take a second and and sometimes it is die. I mean, he's he's going to go back, do battle. But maybe it's not die for you. Maybe it's you're not going to be 
alone. Maybe it's, you're not going to face this without me. You're not going to have this relationship not work out. You're not going to, and then fill in the blank for you right now. Right now in your heart and your spirit, what is that that you need to hear God saying, peace, do not be afraid. You are not going to. And then so Gideon built an altar as a remembrance. The Lord is there and called it, the Lord is peace. So then the next one I wanna, I wanna this just solidifies it. John 14, 27. Like I said, God's peace is the exact opposite of the world, of the enemy. And he says, the peace I leave you, my peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. That, that addiction, that, that relationship, that thing that you seek, do you think will bring you peace, isn't going to bring you peace. I am the peace and it's not what anyone else will give. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So we have Jehovah Rapha, uh, God the healer. We have Jehovah uh, Shalom, a God of peace. Um, let's do uh, Jehovah Jireh. Okay, we actually sing a song about that. Um, Jehovah Jireh uh, is provider. Okay, and um, you know, the first time I kind of was introduced to these names, uh, I always just thought, okay, provider, what does that mean? Okay, well, he gives me what I need, right? Um, uh, sometimes he even gives me what I want. Um, sometimes he gives me what I don't know I need, right? And then and, and that, that also is very good things. So when we talk about provider, there's so many different type of provisions. And I started reading this scripture, and this is one of the first times that we talk about, this is the first time when Jehovah Jireh is mentioned. Um, and basically, it, it has twofold here. So it's Genesis chapter 22, uh, verse 13, uh, we'll probably go through 13 and 14. Uh, this, is what, this is what the Bible says, and this is how this works. So, um, sorry, let me give you some backstory first. So this is the, the latter half of the story when Abraham was told by God to go sacrifice his son Isaac. Okay, so imagine, if you will, how heavy that news would be, right? <laughs> um, so God's promise to Abraham, God said, I want it back. And so God says, okay, I will gladly give it to you. And so here's Abraham and Isaac uh, walking up the mountain to sacrifice. And Isaac is at an age where he's old enough to understand there's something missing. And Isaac looks at Jacob and, or looks at Abraham and says, um, hey, uh, where is the sacrifice? And Abraham says, don't worry, the Lord will provide it. You know, it'll be fine. And so they continue up the hill Abraham does all the preparations for the altar work. He's got it built. He's got it ready. He's got the fire ready. He's getting ready to take care of this altar. And what happens is he reaches over and he grabs Isaac. He puts Isaac on the altar and he gets ready to sacrifice his son. All along knowing and believing that God's going to provide something. And then here's what happens. So this is verse 13. And it says, Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. So when we first see this idea of provision that God is giving us, he's given us an insight into the fact that 
No matter what's happening in our world, no matter what's happening around us, no matter what lack that we have, we can trust that we have a God who will provide for us whatever we need. So it is one of those things where we can use this as a reminder to say, okay, God, um, I am really short this week on making this bill. I've done everything I can, but God, the bill, it just came in the mail. I don't know what to do. And we can stand on the promise and say, God, we know that you'll provide though. Whatever it is, however you decide to do it, you can provide that. Or God, we do not know where the next meal's coming, or we do not know where this next vehicle is coming, because this one is just, you know, went to you know where, and it's crazy, and I don't can't work on it anymore. We, we can sit back and say, God, you provi- will provide. But in this scripture, there was something that God was providing at this moment that was foreshadowing what was going to be provided for us thousands of years later, and that is a sacrifice for our sin, okay? So here in this moment, Abraham is talking about how God will provide the sacrifice that they're going to use to worship, but he's also talking about the sacrifice that God was going to provide in his son Jesus for our sins so that we can be forgiven. He's talking about the fact that not only can we be provided for for our wants and our needs and the things that we get, but we've also been able to bridge the gap for our provision to be able to have communion with God again because he has sent a savior in the world to save of, of our sins. He provided that. We did not do that. A lot of times we can get kind of confused and think that we can earn our salvation or we could do enough good things that everything's kosher. But what the Bible is telling us is that, no, 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 God had to provide that because it had to come in such a way that it was pure and holy, and that's what it was in Jesus. He was the pure and holy sacrifice, and it came because God gave us the provision. And so we can stand on this, this, uh, this idea that not only does he provide us of the things that we need, But when we start to get reminded by the enemy about the things we may have done in the past or the things that are holding us back, the things that are keeping us from reaching God's potential, we can say, no, 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 God, or no, 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 devil. God provided something for me in the form of Jesus that allows me to have that communion with you again, that allows me to come back into relationship with God again, that allows my righteousness to be that is what it was when there was no sin in the world. That is what God provided, not just what we need, but what we needed spiritually and what we needed to have a better relationship with God. That is the God who provides. So, and then the next one is Jehovah Nisi. So what was interesting is when I was praying over um, which, which ones God do you want of your names, which ones mean the most? Um, I had one in my mind. I, you know, we always do this. God, I, I, I got, I got this. I, yeah, I, I know which ones. Um, and I kept praying and I kept praying and it just wasn't working out. Um, and I kept coming back to Jehovah Nisi, God, our banner. And what was so interesting is honestly, I felt like this was the one I, I knew the least about or really had the least connection until I started studying this and, and God, our banner, I'm going to paint this picture for you. You know, that moment that you've had a really hard work day. And you get home, you make dinner, you finish everything out, you all the to-do list, and it's time to finally go to bed. And I don't know about you, but I love to get into the covers and just cover up for a minute. And there's this moment where you're like, okay, the whole day is melting away. That moment, that covering, that wrapping, that is God, our banner. 
That moment where you feel everything is okay. Because I mean, honestly, sometimes when I'm peeling myself into bed, nothing is okay. There's still things to go do. I still need to get back out and go do this and this and this. But there's that banner. So let's look at scripture and we're gonna, we're gonna talk about Moses. Um, so Moses had just been given um, the, a, a really good, great revelation from God on how to defeat the Amalekites. So he had um, what is his banner, which was the staff of God that he was provided. Moses had his staff and that was the symbol of God is with me. God, is, the staff is here. This is my banner. This is who I'm representing. So Moses, God told Moses that um, tell Joshua, Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out and fight the Amalekites. So Joshua gets to be the man on the ground and then Moses is gonna be the one on the hill. So tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands, the staff, that banner. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered and Moses, his brother Aaron and her went up on top of the hill. And as long as Moses held up his hands with that staff, with that banner, with that symbol, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were, would start to, to win. So you kind of see this, oh God, I, I can't, I'm not enough. And, and I'm gonna stop and point out something. This is truly a picture of the body of Christ. Because when you go on, it says that when Moses' hands grew tired, that her and Aaron, they took a stone for him to sit on. And then they held his hands up, one on one side and one on the other. If there's ever a morning where you are not sure about whether or not to come into the house of God, here's what I wanna remind you. The Bible says, do not forsake the assembling of the saints because there's something that happens when we come together in the house of God. Someone's gonna hold your arms up. Someone's gonna bring you a message. Somebody's gonna answer that request. Somebody's gonna meet a physical need, an emotional need, a relational need. Something is gonna happen when the saints come together. And right now, I know that you need somebody on either side of you holding up your hands and look around you, the people that are in this room, the, this this body of Christ, that is how your hands are held up. So going back to Moses, his hands are up, and as long as he had his hands up, that banner, that staff, he held his hands, remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this on a scroll as something to be remembered and make sure that Joshua hears it. Because remember, Moses is up here, Joshua's down there. Make sure Joshua hears it because I will completely blot out the name Amalek from under heaven. I'm gonna also stop for a second, jump back there just for a minute. Some of you are facing some very real needs, a very real enemy, a very real issue of something. And what you need to hear God say is, I will blot out that from under heaven. If he did it in the Bible for Moses, then he will do it again for you. Because that's why we use the word as a sword. He's going to do it for you. So whatever that issue is, 
He will blot that out. So going on, Moses built an altar and called it, the Lord is my banner. He said, because hands were lifted up against the throne of the Lord, the Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. And I don't know about you, but I want God to say, I will be at war with your enemies from generation to generation because I don't just stand here as myself as a believer, but I stand here representing generations to come and my kids and, and, and their kids and their generations. I want him to blot out their enemies as well. So why do we need to know the Lord is our banner? So just quickly, a few, few reasons. You know that when Moses walked onto that hill and he held that, that, that staff and he knew that God was with him, it was proof of his protection. Amen to that. Because remember, he sent his people into battle because he was obeying God. But God was reminding him, I am with you, I am protecting you, and you have purpose. I have sent you. And sometimes we need to stand up as believers, as the body of Christ, and say, I have purpose, I have protection, and I am untouchable. God is with me. Who can be against me? Second is the armor of God. If you look up in the armor of God, Ephesians 6 through 10, and I encourage you to do that this week, from the top of your head to the soles of your feet, we are covered. We are covered. And then finally, victory. He will supply all of my needs. Philippians 4.19. Someone needs to hear you. He is your banner and you will have victory over what is coming against you. So why is it important uh, for us as believers to know um, pieces of God's names, you know, the, the, the different names. Why, why is it important? And here's, here's why it's important, okay? It's important for a couple of different reasons, when, and, but the biggest reason is you start to understand who God is. Now, you'll never get to a place where you'll know him in the sense of like it will be when we get to heaven. Then we're gonna know who God is. But we're gonna start to learn more about him every day that we continue this path of learning who God is. So when we know parts of his name or parts of his name, what we're doing is we're actually starting to get to know God's character. Uh, for example, in other uh, biblical names in the Bible, um, their naming, their names meant uh, certain parts of their character. So for example, you had Abraham's name meant the father of many. Okay, and so that's how he got his name because God gave him the promise that he would be the father of many nations and through his seed would be coming basically the healing of the world, right? Okay, and then also like you got Isaac. Isaac's name uh, meant laughter and that was because when God told Abraham and Sarah that you're gonna have a baby in your old age, she laughed. And then so when, <laughs> when she winds up having Isaac, she named him Isaac because it meant laughter. It meant the fact that she laughed and God proved her wrong anyway. And then lastly, you know, you got Jacob. You know, the, the name Jacob was deceiver and it meant the fact that he was basically grabbing a hold of him. All he wanted to do was try to deceive to get birthrights and all kinds of stuff. So there was parts of the characters that we got to see. There's character of these men and women in the Bible 
that we get to see more about who they are because we know parts of their name and what their names meant. Now, in today's society, uh, not everybody names their kids uh, something that means something. Uh, you know, for example, we named our kids because we wanted an A name. So we're like, okay, what's a good A name? Avery, that sounds great. We love it, awesome, okay? Well, then we're like, okay, because we like things in order, we had to do a B name. And I'm like, no, we're not having 26 kids. I, I get it, it's in alphabetical order, but we're not gonna do that. So we just started looking for a B name. And so for example, the reason how we found Baylor, we're in a Brahms drive-through, okay? And we didn't want to name him Brahms because we thought that was weird. Yes. So, but the car in front of us, it had a Baylor mom sticker. And I'm like, Baylor, that's a cool school. That's a cool name, that sounds neat. Kind of rolls off the tongue, you know? And, and so what's funny is he's got a friend who's named Judah, a real good biblical name. It means awesome, you know? So he comes home and he's like, hey, Judah's name means this. What does my name mean? And I'm like, college? I don't know. A great like, university. It just sounded great. It was cool. So, but I can tell you this right now. If you know my son and if you know Jen and you know me, you, we, you say our names and you know our characters. So when you hear the word Joe, you're going to hear, you know, you're going to kind of imagine things about my personality or you're going to hear the name Jen and you're going to imagine things about her personality. You're going to hear the word Baylor and you're going to think that kid is a bear because he's a Baylor bear, right? So, there's parts of the character. So that's why it's important for us to start to know some of God's character. So we get to know parts of what has made God who he is, because we all have this image of who we think God is, okay? So what it's doing is it's taking this broad image of God being the greatest all-powerful being and saying, you know what? Not only is he all-powerful, but he's my healer when I'm sick, that he's my provider when I am in desperate need of something, that he is my banner when I need to stand firm and know that God has got my battle and he is my peace even in the midst of that battle. That is why we need to know these things. And then like I said, you know, Pastor Dean did a message, uh, an entire series on authority. And I do believe as the body of Christ, we need to stand up tall. Sometimes I think we walk through like this. And the enemy is looking for those of us, I mean the word says he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So if I, if I would, would, the more I learn about God, the more I learn about who he is, the more I stand up tall. And, and I, that priestly and kingly anointing that comes from being a, a child of the most high God, makes me more powerful. So when I am praying, I'm not just praying a prayer that is something just, eh, oh God, it's God gonna do it, it's God gonna, no, Jehovah Jireh. He will be our provider. But a couple weeks ago, we were traveling um, on our camper and straight line winds hit our, um, our camper on our Yukon and did one of these deals. <laughs> yeah, it sounded great right now, but I, I was, um, I was calling Jehovah Jireh, our provider, you, will, you are the commander of the winds and the waves. Everything will obey you. God, keep us straight and narrow right now. When we know who God is, we remind the enemy who God is. And he knows, he knows 
But I want to make sure he wakes up every morning and knows. I want to know that the enemy knows as we walk through the day that he knows who my God is. And then when I go to just let's just put a cap on the end of the day. God is this. Just want to remind him before we go to sleep. So we are more powerful when we know who God is. So our hope this morning was to, to kind of give you just a small glimpse of to, into some of the different characteristics of the God we serve. And so our worship team is going to come back up. And so the, the idea behind this is this. The more you get to know a person or even an item, okay, the more you get to know your attitude towards that person or towards that item changes. So I, at home, we used to have these, uh, you know, the big television consoles. I'm showing my age. The ones you had to get up and actually turn the knob. You guys know that one? Okay. So we used to have this big television console, and then on the top of the console was a bunch of knickknacks and trinkets and things that my mom would have. And, and to this day, I remember breaking one of them, and I thought I was dead, and the Lord, he was my provider. I'll just leave it there. Um, <laughs> the grace of parents is amazing, right? So then there was this shelf, and the shelf had these uh, um, uh, de- duck decoys, okay? And it was like a it looked like a daddy duck and a mama duck and a bunch of little baby ducks. And, and, and I, I remember looking at it, not really understanding why they were there. Oh, we also had uh, owls too. There was these like um, decoy owl things and they were the weirdest things because they were the same face on both sides. So you could turn it, it was like, had two heads, it was weird. Anyway, so they're all on this like, this shelf and, and you know, I didn't think much of it because it was just, in my mind, it was just decor. It was just decoration. It was the stuff that you kind of gather. But then one day I was asking my dad and I was just like, look, I know you're, you, we like to deer hunt, but you don't duck hunt. Why do you have a bunch of duck decoys? And he told me this story. He said that when my mom and him were dating, she worked at a decoy factory in downtown St. Louis. And my mom had actually made those decoys. And she worked on the factory line. And so she kept them as a reminder of kind of just where they've been in their life. Almost like an altar to go back and say, this is where, you know, God did this. But I can remember after dad telling me this story and explaining to me the value of these decoys, how my attitude towards those decoys changed. No longer were they just decor in mom and dad's house. Now it had a story. It had meaning behind it. There was a reason why they kept it because it was a reminder of where they were. And it it was a reminder of how far God had made them or had taken them. And it was just these opportunities to really look in to this relationship that my mom and dad had. And dad said, no, I'm keeping those. We're going to keep those forever. I actually think they still have them. I don't know exactly where they're at, but they're coming home to my house eventually. Because the more I knew about what that was, my attitude towards it changed. And our hope this morning was this. The more you start to know about God's character, our attitude towards him changes. So some of you this morning are here And this is the thing we do on Sundays. We come to church. And then some of us are like, you know what? I cannot wait to worship. But my hope is that today, after we've learned some of the characteristics of who God is, that maybe you're here and you're realizing that there's a gap 
that God needs to provide for you. And so as we end this service with worship, we wanna give you an opportunity to worship the God who provides. And you're reminded of that. Or maybe you're at the point where you're like, God, I need a healing in my body. And so now when we get ready to worship, you can stand and worship and say, God, I worship Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals me. And we start to stand on the promises. Whether that provision is physical need, or maybe you're here and you had to be reminded this morning that there was a provision made for you over 2,000 years ago to save you from the sin and addiction that's in your life. Maybe that's where you're standing on this morning when we worship. Maybe you're gonna stand on that promise. Maybe, maybe there is so much going on in your world right now that you cannot understand and fathom how you're gonna make it through the rest of this week. But you know what? Now you can stand and worship the God of peace, Jehovah Shalom, knowing that that is a God, that he is a God of peace.